Before we begin, please note that multiple and sometimes conflicting pronunciations of some Native American names were discovered as part of research for this series. Every effort has been made to pronounce these names as respectfully as possible. Please also know that the DAR Continental Congress approved the American Indians Committee in 1936, and the National Society continues to follow the lead of the federal government in retaining that terminology. For example, the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the Museum of the American Indian. The Our Patriots Podcast honoring the men and women who achieved American independence and taken from the pages of American Spirit, the Daughters of the American Revolution's award-winning magazine. Courageous in battle, progressive in policy, Colonel Christopher Green led the 1st Rhode Island Regiment, composed mostly of ex-slaves who won freedom by going to war. Written by Bill Hudgens and appearing in the July-August 2018 edition of American Spirit Magazine. Christopher Green was born May the 12th, 1737 at Warwick, Rhode Island to Judge Philip Green and Elizabeth Wicks Green. He was a great-grandson of Rhode Island founder Roger Williams and a third cousin of General Nathaniel Green. The cousins would serve together during the Revolutionary War. On May 6, 1757, Christopher married third cousin Anne Lippitt, with whom he had nine children. When his father died in 1761, the 24-year-old Christopher inherited the family's mill estate and ran it until the outbreak of the Revolutionary War. He also served in the Rhode Island General Assembly from 1772 to 1774. While he was in office, the legislature formed a militia called the Kentish Guards and commissioned him as a lieutenant in 1774. That unit, by the way, is still active in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. In May 1775, he was promoted to major in the 1st Rhode Island Regiment, also called Varnum's Regiment, after its organizer, Colonel James Mitchell Varnum. Christopher led an infantry company for the regiment when it fought in an 11-month siege of Boston. During the siege, Christopher met General George Washington. As part of his planning for an attack on Canada, Washington assigned Christopher to lead a unit in the Army of Canada commanded by Brigadier General Benedict Arnold. The Army marched north, suffering terrible hardships before meeting in Quebec with General Richard Montgomery's forces. The combined armies assaulted Quebec on December the 31st, 1775, and were repulsed. Montgomery was killed, and Arnold was wounded, and hundreds of Americans were killed or taken prisoner, including Christopher Green. He remained in captivity until released during a prisoner exchange in 1777. He was promoted to lieutenant colonel while imprisoned. Christopher returned to the Continental Army, where Washington promoted him to colonel. He ordered Colonel Green and 400 Rhode Islanders to help defend Fort Mercer on the New Jersey side of the Delaware River just south of Philadelphia. The Patriots had built Fort Mercer and Fort Mifflin on an island in the river to prevent the British from sailing upriver to attack Philadelphia. With their water route blocked, the British Army went overland and captured the city in September of 1777. On October 22nd, British General William Howe dispatched a force of about 1,200 Hessians under Colonel Carl von Donup to drive the Patriots out of Fort Mercer. But the Americans had learned of the impending attack and were ready. 
The Americans repelled the Hessians after an intense 40-minute fight, also called the Battle of Red Bank. Casualty figures vary. Killed were between 400 and 500 Hessians, including Dunup, and 14 Americans. Congress bestowed a sword upon Colonel Green to honor the unit's victory. A New Kind of Regiment Colonels Green and Barnum spent the winter of 1777 together at Valley Forge. While there, Colonel Varnum proposed an idea. Combine two understrength Rhode Island units into one and form a new regiment of enslaved African Americans, according to Cameron Booten and the 1st Rhode Island Regiment and Revolutionary America's Lost Opportunity, a January 2018 article in the Journal of the American Revolution. Since Colonel Green's wife and children lived only about 19 miles from the British outposts in Newport, Rhode Island, he readily endorsed Varnum's idea, which made it to the Rhode Island General Assembly. In January, the Assembly approved the Rhode Island Resolution for Negro Recruitment of 1778, which declared that every slave so enlisting shall upon his passing muster before Colonel Christopher Green be immediately discharged from the service of his master or mistress and be absolutely free as though he had never been encumbered with any kind of servitude or slavery. Along with a number of officers from the existing units, Colonel Green returned to Rhode Island in 1778 to help organize the new regiment. Blacks already served in some New England units, either as free men or with their master's permission. This unit was unique in that Rhode Island liberated the slaves who would make up a unit of their own, wrote Judith L. Van Buskirk in her book, Standing in Their Own Light, African-American Patriots in the American Revolution, published by the University of Oklahoma Press in 2017. Van Buskirk noted that the colonel faced a tough challenge. The spirit required to repulse a determined enemy on the field of battle was one of courage, she wrote. The bravery it took to lead what was to be a very controversial endeavor was another. Many slave owners opposed the measure, and the Assembly repealed it in June. While it was in effect, whites tried to discourage or intimidate blacks from enlisting. Nevertheless, 130 to 140 blacks eventually enlisted, along with about 100 whites and some American Indians, according to Bhutan. After some brief training, the regiment was swept up in preparations for a major battle with the British fighting on General Nathaniel Green's right wing at the Battle of Bloody Run Brook on August 28, 1778, the inexperienced troops stopped vicious Hessian charges at times engaging in hand-to-hand combat. The Americans eventually withdrew, but Patriot Commander Major General John Sullivan later commended the unit, saying, By the best information, the Commander-in-Chief thinks that regiment will be entitled to a proper share of the honors of the day, according to Booten. The 1st Rhode Island Regiment continued to serve with distinction, and the unit was part of the climactic siege of Yorktown in 1781. In Black Patriots and Loyalists Fighting for Emancipation in the War of Independence, published by the University of Chicago Press in 2012, historian Albert Gilbert wrote, quote, Motivated by freedom and continually engaged in battle, the 1st Rhode Island Regiment developed its own spirit of militancy, It would become the most fearsome unit on the American side and inspire others throughout the war. Attacked by Loyalists Colonel Green never made it to the siege. In 1781, he and his men were sent to Westchester County, New York, to protect vital crossings on the Croton River. These included the Pines Bridge, the same span that Major John Andre crossed in 1779 using Benedict Arnold's Pass. 
The area was a hotbed of loyalist sympathy and paramilitary groups such as Colonel James Delancey's notorious Loyal Westchester Refugee Corps. Early on May the 14th, 1781, while most of the Patriot camp was still asleep, around 400 of Delancey's refugees fell upon the stunned and outnumbered Americans. The Tories killed 14, wounded about 100, and captured more than 20 prisoners, most of them African Americans, who were later sold as slaves in the British West Indies. The raiders rushed to the house that served as Colonel Green's quarters. He had time only to grab his sword before being attacked. The Tories slashed and stabbed Green and killed several of the soldiers who were defending him. Then they dragged him into the woods, beat and stabbed him, and left him to die. According to one account, his body was found in the woods, about a mile distant from his tent, cut and mangled in the most shocking way. Colonel Christopher Green was buried in the cemetery of the Yorktown, New York First Presbyterian Church, where a monument marks his grave. A memorial was also erected in 1829 at Red Bank, New Jersey, to honor his role in the Patriot victory there. I hope you have enjoyed this edition of the Our Patriots podcast and that you'll listen to future installments, each focused on a patriot who helped to win our independence. I also know that you will enjoy reading more about our nation's fascinating history by receiving a subscription to American Spirit magazine. Visit us at dar.org and search for American Spirit. Consider, too, researching your family tree and joining our service organization of dedicated women devoted to promoting historic preservation, education, and patriotism. There's something for everyone in today's DAR. This has been the Our Patriots podcast, a dynamic duo high-five production in association with the Daughters of the American Revolution and Tin Shingle.